In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you Who shut is up, man? Listen. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Sammy Fishbein and for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit that's happening in the news explained by today your one funniest friend. Today I am joined by Samantha Cohen who you would know because she is the daughter of Michael Cohen and we are so excited to have you here. Welcome. Hi Sammy. How are you? Hi. And this is the meeting of the Sammies. Um, yes. Sam, Samantha's. Um, and we're really excited to have you here. Um, I read your story in Vanity Fair. I saw um, some interviews you've done on TV. And you have a very um, enlightening story because of all the people who you know enter uh, Trump's orbit, you were someone who did the, who entered his orbit without really having any say in the matter. So just, I guess, to start, um, would you tell us, I guess, how you, you know, how old were you when your dad started working for him and kind of what was your uh, closeness with the family? Uh, For sure. I was 11, I think, when he started working for him around that age. I think I was probably too young to, like, really understand what it was that my dad did but I knew that Trump was on The Apprentice and there were commercials for it all the time on TV so I just thought that like my dad was in real estate is kind of what I would have said if people asked me and then in terms of my closeness to the family this was years before I could really understand any of it or create personal relationships but like Like we did do family dinners around that age with Don Jr. and his kids who were really young at the time. And then Ivanka lived in our building. So she would come over sometimes um, because at that time she was single and living alone. Uh, That was really the extent. Like I, I met Trump a handful of times visiting my dad at his office, but I didn't have that much proximity to them. Yeah. So in the Vanity Fair article, I mean, I just want to get this one story out of the way because I feel like we can't not mention it. Um, You describe a situation where when you were 15, he made some like really inappropriate comments to you. Was that something that um, you experienced with with him a lot or witnessed a lot? Um. Like I said in the Vanity Fair article, it was actually my dad who told the story in his book, not me. Yeah. And that's something that I feel is really important for me to clarify because from the Vanity Fair article, a lot of different publications, mostly things like the Daily Mail and um, other tabloid magazines used that as their headline, as if I had come out talking about my experience, but that's not really the case. I didn't do the Vanity Fair article and I'm also not here today to really talk about like tabloid stories and spray more um you know 
Trump hitting on me elements of this. My dad explained the story in his book. I, as I explained on CNN and Vanity Fair to people, remember it a little bit differently than my dad. And as I explained, I think it's because you can probably relate and most girls our age can relate men hit on us and it's just something that happens and it's accepted unfortunately and we're socialized to accept it and allow it to go over our heads so trump made the comments when i wasn't there he made the comments as i was walking over to my dad i think that's disgusting to make comments about a 15 year old to their father When I walked over, he said something along the lines of, watch out, I'm going to be dating one of your friends in a couple of years. So it didn't feel like a direct hitting on me. It felt like, oh, here's another old creepy guy who likes younger women, who's constantly talking about how many younger women he can get and who only looks at you based off of your looks. That's your worth to him. So to answer your question, whenever I would see Trump, the first thing he would comment on is, oh, how pretty I was getting or how great I looked. And I think that that is what he sees and values in women, not what they actually can contribute, but what they look like. And therefore, how they make him look and feel because a lot of men think that having a beautiful woman on their arm is a presentation to the world of what a powerful and successful person they are. And as we see on the TV every day, Trump wants to convince the entire world that he's this powerful billionaire. And by having a woman who looks like Melania on his arm, it helps to sell that image. Absolutely. I feel like I just went in 10 different directions, but like that was my stream of consciousness. (laughs) Well, so, so I do want to ask something that you sort of alluded to in the beginning that you, you know, you aren't looking to just get more tabloid stories out there. There are a ton of those. So what ultimately, you know, I imagine you, you sort of invited a lot of potential criticism and pressure on yourself by, you know, by doing press, by even speaking to a Vanity Fair journalist. So what ultimately like motivated you that, that this was, you know, worth it when there are so many women who are afraid to speak out? Yeah, this is honestly a great question that I've really wanted to answer and that nobody's asked before. So I really appreciate you bringing this up. I actually got almost minimal hate from the Vanity Fair article and the CNN interview, which shook me to my core. And I hate the word shook. I never use it. (laughs) But it shook me to my core because I was very private in everything else that I did leading up to this. And I received more hate than you can imagine from not putting myself out there, only from being out there tangentially in relation to my dad. I would get death threats. I would get insults. I would get hate mail we've gotten death threats physically written to the house. Um, I was being harassed online by a bunch of accounts, Hitler one, two, three, Hitler one, two, three, four, and all of this crazy um, anti-Semitic hate that I had never really experienced before growing up in the city and really spending time in places like New York and Los Angeles. And I, you know, really braced myself for the onslaught of hate that I was going to get because it was so intense and so fierce. And that was the reason I never spoke out in the past. 
past is because I was terrified of more of the hate that was being directed at my dad to be offloaded onto me. And I finally felt when my dad released the book and I saw on TV that the media was finally treating him with more fairness and people were realizing that, you know, they had parts of the story wrong and they had really characterized him incorrectly. I saw it as my opportunity to set my own record straight and to be heard in a capacity that wouldn't elicit that level of hatred. But I could have never expected the experience of getting so little hatred this time around. I, I thought that it was going to be way more than that. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So I guess knowing that, you know, it is okay to speak out, what is your like kind of ultimate goal? I mean, obviously then other than like exposing the president, has this sort of you know, helps you sort of re-examine, you know, why this person could even come to power? Like, what is it, has it sort of changed your outlook for the future? I definitely say yes. I feel like there's two questions in that. There's how I see the world and there's how I see my own life. Um, yeah. To be, to be 20, how old was I? To be 22, graduating college and having your entire life flipped upside down by all of this really almost 
intertwines the outside world and your inside world. So it's interesting that you ask those two questions in the same vein. Um, my entire inner life became the country's outer life, the chaos that so many people are experiencing. I feel like my my life was almost a microcosm for that. I couldn't escape it. There wasn't anywhere I could go. There wasn't anything I could do. I was literally stuck in a nightmare. And I feel like the country over the last especially year has come to also feel like we're all stuck in a nightmare. And I used to always joke that my life felt like an episode of Black Mirror. And now I hear people say that about their own lives. And I think that I experience the consequences of Trump's presidency and my personal life a little bit sooner and harsher than it came out in the public sector. And now it's out there. It's destroyed. He's destroyed communities. He's um, elevated the divisiveness in this country to a level that we probably haven't seen since pre-segregation. He is enabling white supremacy based on his um, rhetoric for years, but especially on the debate the other night. He is depriving people of health care. He's lied to the country about the severity of coronavirus and caused millions of people to lose their loved ones. I mean, he turned against my dad and threw my family under the bus for a crime that my dad committed in his name for his benefit. We suffered the consequences. Half the country, less than half the country, whatever the number was, elected Trump president. And now everyone is suffering the consequences. And the only thing that we can all do as people is try and move forward. So to answer your question, I'm speaking out personally because I want to move forward. I want to set the record straight. I'm sick of people assuming who I am without knowing me. I want people to hear my voice and know where I come from and what my personal views are and not to associate me with those of my dad as much as I love him. We have always had different political views I think my dads are coming around to what mine have always been, or at least he suppressed his for a while to align himself with Trump. But growing up, my dad was a very liberal person, instilled me with very fair liberal ideas. He was never a racist, never a xenophobe. We always had people from every walk of life in and out of our house. I think that my dad went along with Trump's rhetoric. I think he's now, you know, realizing that that has serious consequences. And I think that everyone who, I hope that people who voted for Trump, who were not part of his main base, but who were more on the fringe of whether or not to vote for him is realizing that they really shouldn't this upcoming election. And I feel like I tried to answer all of your questions (laughs) and in a very, um, brain spastic way but I guess that's sometimes how I think (laughs) no you definitely got your point across and you know it is interesting because I'm sure as you've watched um you know your dad speak out more I'm sure there are some people who are willing to accept you know his his turnaround and there's other people who are probably still very angry but I happen to believe 
in like a power of redemption. And I know it is very hard to be the, the one person who does flip on someone like someone like Donald Trump. I'm wondering if your dad ever, you know, so someone like Trump who is able to kind of pull people into their orbit and get them to do things that they might not otherwise do in a different circumstances. Did your dad ever speak to you either while he worked for him or, or after, after this, you know, experience of sort of, you know, flipping on him, did he, did he ever kind of describe to you like what that experience was actually like of being kind of like sucked into the Trump orbit? Well, I'm way more psychoanalytical than my dad. So (laughs) So maybe you know better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I know better, but I like to psychoanalyze the the things that he's told me. And I like to compare Trump to an abusive boyfriend. That's Mm -hmm. the only way that I can really relate. I feel like my dad literally was in an abusive relationship with Trump. And when I said the twisted umbilical cord comment to Vanity Fair, that just kind of word vomit came out. And I thought about it more and more after I had said it. And I realized that, you know, the same way that either an abusive parent or an abusive um, partner gives you love and then takes it away and starts to make you feel like the only validation that is important in your life is the one that they can give you. I think Trump did that to my dad. And I watched him do that to my dad for years. And that's why I hated Trump pre-election, pre-politics, pre-everything, because Trump did not want anyone to succeed but himself. And whenever my dad would show that he had the ability to succeed outside of the Trump orbit on his own merit and accomplish things in his personal life or in his personal career that was outside of being Trump's orbit, which he had a a career outside of that as well that most people don't know. Trump would bully him. Trump would cut his salary. Trump would take away his bonus. Trump would make fun of him for buying Um, a car. Trump would make fun of him for um, basically anything that he found out about our personal life. If he found out that my dad had dinner with someone that Trump felt was on Trump's level and not my dad's level, he would give my dad the cold shoulder in the office for a week. It was like torment. And I used to always scream at my dad, you could go so much further in life. If you just got away from this psychopath, what is it that he has over you? And my dad would always say, we have this special connection. He needs me. He would always say he needs me. And I was like, I don't care if he needs you because we certainly don't need him. Like I didn't want my dad's salary and bonus being withheld from him in like an abusive tactic to put him in his place. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, the only, the, the fact that you do describe it as an abusive relationship is kind of the only, like, cause as you're telling the story, I'm like, so why did he stay? But then it's like an abusive relationship. That's, that's ultimately the question. And that's what makes it an abusive relationship. But something you said was, you know, he is kind of like, could be like an abusive parent or, you know, an abusive boyfriend. So it, it kind of made me think about Ivanka um, because you, you know, you, you said she used to come over. I'm just curious, sort of like you say, you like to psychoanalyze what is going on there. (laughs) And I ask, and I know this is, you know, you could kind of categorize this as a tabloid esque story, but the truth is she's an advisor in the presidential administration. And the fact that we now have like this, like daddy daughter psychodrama playing out is like, what is 
there needs to be more transparency into that relationship. Oh, for sure. I mean, we're the United States of America, not the United States of Trump. And the fact that all of his family members are in the cabinet is just wild. Like, this is 2020. We live in a democracy. This isn't like some monarchy or or autocratic regime. Like, really don't understand how Ivanka ended up in the White House, to be perfectly honest. But um, I've, I've never I've never really understood her. I think that she's incredibly full of herself (laughs) and Trump clearly is incredibly full of himself as well. So I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, but I mean, you have to be like delusionally self-confident to think you can get away with the things that these people get away with. And I mean, when Ivanka used to just completely ignore me, if I ever saw her and wasn't, by my dad's side, I was like, does this woman really think she's that far outside of my realm that I'm not even worth an acknowledgement? And it didn't make me feel bad. See, I never felt bad about myself. And I think that like these kinds of people thrive off of making people feel insecure, making people feel worthless or less than like her acknowledgement could have meant less to me than pretty much anyone's. I didn't care, but I always took note of it and thought it was really interesting that she acted that way. And I think that, you know, she's very self-serving. I'll tell a story that my dad hasn't even told that I remembered the other day that really upset me in thinking about Ivanka is that she and my dad were really close when my dad first started working at the company. Like everyone used to call my dad the fifth child or sixth child or whatever it was. I mean, they all were, you know, super, super close working together. And I remember my dad, I don't know the um, ins and outs of the story, but the high level of it is that my dad found a piece of land for something that they wanted to develop. He brought it to Ivanka and the plan was to bring it to Trump either together or I don't know. It was, it was something that my dad found. Ivanka cut cut it out from under him and brought it to her dad before my dad had a chance to bring it up to Trump. And my dad was like, oh my God, when did we enter into this like cutthroat competitive relationship? Like he thought like they were all kind of in it together. And that I think was, was really, um, a a revelatory experience for him where he was like, wow, Ivanka will fully, throw me under the bus and cut me out of a deal to show daddy like he likes to, you know, um, impersonate it to show daddy. Hi, daddy. I found this. I found this. Like, look at me. Like I did a good job. Like, no, my dad found it and she fucking stole it from him. And they're so entitled that they think that I'm pretty sure Ivanka must have thought, well, my last name's on the company and it's my dad. So I'm just going to take it to him, but you don't get to profit off of other people's hard work. And I'm sorry to the Trumps, but they have no business in politics. They're not studied in politics. They weren't lawyers, poli sci majors in local government and worked their way up. And they take these government positions from president to advisor to this, to that, and step into the seats that hardworking people 
spent years cultivating a government with different positions and checks and balances. And Trump and his family have completely obliterated it. I mean, having Bill Barr be your henchman is not how the Justice Department is supposed to operate. You don't get to just walk into a 250-year-old government and make it your own and slap the T-R-U-M-P logo on it. Like, that's not how it works. I mean, I'm sure that's how Trump would love it to work, emulating Putin, but we have to we have to get him out of the White House and we have to get the big gaudy gold Trump sign off the White House. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I feel really sorry that this is the position that you've like found yourself in without making any choices to that effect. And I think it, it just, it really shows how much this man, whether he, he, you know, you're one degree of separation from him or you're six degrees of separation from him. He's a harmful person to anyone who comes into his orbit. And that's why it's so dangerous that he's the fucking president. But Okay, so I'm just going to close out with one question that I'm curious your take on this because I feel like there's sort of this ongoing debate in the media about a lot of the Trump Trump's family's actions. Are they evil or are they incompetent and like careless? And as you're talking about Ivanka, the way sh- the way you're describing the story is that it it could easily be something that is just like, oh, she wanted to impress her dad and it was just sort of inconsiderate. But I don't know. I think when like you, there's such a strong pattern of behavior, it starts, I start to think like, is it just pure evil that they're disguising as incompetence? So I'm just curious, like from being up close with, with them, are they evil or are they just completely incompetent when it comes to governing? Wow. That is, (laughs) that is a question that is like an onion. There are many, (laughs) many layers to that. I think that evil is a strong word, but self-serving is something that I'm very comfortable saying. I think that all of them are incredibly self-serving, incredibly entitled, and incredibly power-hungry. I think that that can drive people to do evil things, whether it's Stories like my dad has talked about in his book, you know, manipulating small family shop vendors into cutting prices and driving small businesses um, into the ground for their own benefit on projects to what he's done to this country. I think that they just are incredibly selfish and incredibly like I said, self-serving. And I think that that can lead to incompetence because government is for the people, right? Government is not for the politicians. So when you have a politician who's self-serving, it's kind of the absolute antithesis of what they're supposed to be. And it will result in mass incompetence because Trump doesn't give a shit about 
the little guy. I can tell you a thousand stories in which he fucked over the little guy and he campaigned on, you know, bringing jobs back to families and, and, um, invigorating small business and, you know, helping out the little guy, the little guy is who he laughs at. The little guy is the scum under his shoe as I'm sure he sees it. So no, the, the incompetence is from being purely egotistical, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. I I can see how I see how I, I can see what you mean that like just the, in, the intense narcissism. It it's, spur- it's full narcissism. Yeah. Right. It's full sociopathy. It's full egocentrism. It, it's all, it's all the above. I mean, what the, the apprentice is fully just a show where he got to parade around and get to play the character that he so badly wanted to be, which was this, you know, powerful billionaire. The truth was, he was barely a billionaire, as we're seeing, and, you know, struggling to even maintain that status with all of the debt with Credit Suisse, or I mean, or Deutsche Bank, sorry, or between Credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank. I don't know. I lose track at this point. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> a, a non-investment banker type pen kid. Yeah. I was more of a poli-sci pen kid. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, like he was in debt. He would have things go bankrupt all the time. Like this isn't some business genius that we're talking about. The apprentice allowed him to personify that character. And my my dad and I have been, as we've been talking recently, one of the things that has come up in our conversations is we're like, Oh my God, the apprentice is, I think what enabled Trump to become president because the apprentice gave him that publicity across the country. It's what solidified this image of him as someone who can get shit done, who's a powerful business guy, who's rich beyond imagine. And all these people who don't know the real story, who don't know the Donald Trump that most of the Upper East Side and Manhattan knows and that Miami knows and, you know, wherever else he socializes, Palm Beach, et cetera, you know, all those people know him for what he really is. But when you turn on the TV and you watch The Apprentice and you see the the character Trump, I, I see how the image was bought into. And, you know, let's, let's blame NBC jokes. Yeah. Let's not blame NBC. Yeah. But, you know, The Apprentice is what created the Trump persona, which I think got him elected. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because like you say, oh, he, he was barely a billionaire, like, and he was playing this character. The truth is that like, he could have been that person. Like he started out in a place in life and was, you know, given the education and the money that he could have actually, by the time The Apprentice was on, been a legitimate billionaire, very successful person. If he had run his businesses in a legitimate successful way but the truth is that no, he, but didn't he didn't do that. because he's because he's not able to do that and he's not yeah. he wasn't able to do it with his businesses and he's not able to do it with the country he's fully inept he's not he's just not smart enough the yes. only thing that trump ever did right is surround himself with some decently intelligent people who kept his businesses afloat because he certainly didn't do it by himself it's true. I imagine it must be really hard for you as a daughter to watch your dad, you know, be attacked and be, you know, like his face everywhere and, you know, 
such a household name. What was or is your reaction to to that experience? Like, what would you? What do you want people to like know about your dad or or you know from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, what I would love for people to know is that my dad is an amazing father. He's an amazing husband. He's an amazing friend. He, I wouldn't have ended up the way I did if my dad wasn't someone who empowered me my entire life. My dad is not a misogynist. His crime or the crime that he's paid most heavily for is paying off Stormy Daniels. And he did that for Trump. And let's be real, many men in this circle have mistresses, have paid them off to hide them from their wives, have hit on 15-year-olds as we see don't think women should have access to abortion and birth control and don't think women deserve to be president. My dad, none of those things. As famous as he is, not one woman has come forward and said, Michael Cohen sexually harassed me. Michael Cohen made inappropriate comments towards me. That's crazy in this circle of men. My dad told me that I could do anything, be anything. It was so hard for me to understand why the country turned against my dad and made him this comic book, cartoonized, villainous human. I think his biggest crime was failing to see how awful Trump really was and helping this abysmal human being get elected to president. All right. Thank you so much, Sammy. This has been a very interesting conversation and we're so happy to talk to you. I might have just opened myself up to a lot. <laughs> I definitely, well, I don't know. It was, what was interesting is the Vanity Fair piece was amazing and I got to say so much, but not anything like we just talked about. It was very much more about my personal life and CNN was live and very controlled. And, you know, I was nervous. This obviously you have a different viewership and we were able to be more candid with each other because I think we come from similar backgrounds and are of a similar age, but wow, I just, I just said a lot that let, let's see the onslaught of hate this no, time. I think, no, I think, I mean, personally, like I love podcasting because we couldn't have had this conversation on CNN um, or any television format. But I think it's, you know, I think it's really um, helpful that people get to hear you in your own words, you know, your own perspective of it. That's not um, highly controlled. So I'm excited for the audience. Consciousness ranting words. Yeah. yeah. I, hope, I hope to the viewers, I hope you can all follow my, my tangential thoughts. <laughs> no, this was great. Thank you so much. And until the return of democracy, this has been the Betches Sup podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.